He's usually the host. This time he's the guest. Please welcome to Cloud and Clear, my very good friend. We've known each other forever. Vince Menzion. Tony, I am so excited to be here on your podcast. This is like a feel? full circle. How does it for feel us? to be on the other go, side? It 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 feels very different. <laughs> I have to tell you. It's um I'm so used to asking all the questions. So this is gonna be very interesting today. Um, but we go back many years and um, I'm just excited to be here. You're so the thank reason you for Cloud and Clear exists. It's a privilege. I, you know, you told me this and um, I remember coming to you about four years ago, probably it was around December of 2016 saying, hey, I got this idea for a podcast. Somebody, I was listening to Tim Ferriss and nobody's doing a podcast yeah. on partnering. I think I should do one, right? And I'm like, would you, would yeah. you be one of my first guests? And we, <laughs> and I, I think yeah. it was episode three, uh, fan favorite, most downloaded for the longest period of time. I think, um, didn't you make it like, uh, like a prerequisite, like as part of your onboarding? Yeah, that's your, why the numbers are so high. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good to see you today. And we both wear, our, right. we're wearing well, our hats. I, I saw you had your soda cap. I had to put on right. my ultimate partnership. No, side. you got me in, so. in, uh, my true authentic self. Cause you know, that's what it takes. You know, all the best hosts in the world, whether it's late night or news broadcast, whatever, all the best uh, hosts, they know how to connect with folks. It's hard for us non-professionals to do it unless we actually know and admire and love that person. So you brought that out in me. And I, I love what I said on that first podcast we did together when I was your guest and it, it did, it like just told a very authentic story. And I wanted everybody who joined Sada to hear it. So became became required listening well it is an authentic story and you know i i speak to organizations i coach organizations on principles of successful partnerships and one of the key aspects and actually you you embody almost i would say embody all the principles but a key aspect is around a i'll, I'll call it extreme commitment to the partnership and at the top, at the leadership level, and you exude that. Like I, you know, I got to work with you. I was running the U.S. Yep. public sector partner business, but I was also on the U.S. partner leadership team at the time, and got to spend. We got to oh, spend yeah. a lot of time together. And you, you made it a point to make the partnership, like it was the most important thing. Like it was the one thing, the mm -hmm. maniacal focus on it. Like you really. And I, and, and I felt that like I came out to LA, I spent time with you mm -hmm. and your dad back then. And I felt it, it was like, it was, you know, it is so much about what we do is about family. So much of what we do is about, uh, relationships, trust. And that was, that was what really resonated for me from, from the very start when we first met in yeah, LA. I mean, years some back. of our partnership compositions changed, but our philosophies remained the same. And we try to strike a balance. In fact, Obviously, our people come first, our own people come first, but then, and we usually say it's customers and then partners, but um, but we are so often co-selling in the trenches with our partners. And now, of course, you know, mostly uh, focused on Google Cloud. We have a, a bunch of others that are part of a, a set of partners and alliances that are still very important to us. But for the typical pursuit, it's us selling with our primary partner and... Um, what we definitely don't let happen is for the customer to sort of divide and conquer us. Yeah, of course we have to be focused yeah. on what customers need, solving their problems. That's the only way 
you win deals and you stay relevant and you, you know, you keep them as customers for life. But, but uh, you know, we're so we're, we're, we're not agnostic. We're not um, self-serving and we're, we're definitely not um, just about the short term. So we're always trying to make sure that we and our partners and we 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 show up together, show up unified and that usually produces the best customer experiences and the best outcomes. Yeah, I totally, I totally get that. I, you know, I, you know, what you're talking about to me comes, it's like coming to the table yeah. with the right mindset, right? Having that mindset around, um, together one plus one equals three or more. And it's, you know, it, it, it's, it is a focus on the customer, but it's how we are, we collaboratively will do the best That's right. good you know, the, that's right. You know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a, a lot you can't control. There's a lot of drama in every, you know, engagement potentially. And if you can eliminate a big, a big part of that by setting the design principles of how we engage up front, uh, it's a much smoother experience. And, you know, you, you host the, the, the ultimate partnering, you know, podcast, you give talks on it, you consult on it. Um, ultimate guide to partnering. What makes you the expert in the field, Vince Mentione? You know, I, I don't claim to be the expert in the field. What Thank else? you very much for well, that. I would say you are. Honored that you say that. <laughs> I have been blessed by, you know, I, I at my core, I'm a connector. I love people. And I, you know, I, I take from other people like there. So my podcast started as a way to help. Microsoft partners at the time, other partners in the technology space understand how to better connect and work with those technology giants. And in fact, Google was on the podcast and Salesforce and AWS. And But what I've gotten out of it is these amazing stories and people that understand partnering. And what I've hopefully been able to tease out in all those interviews is what, what does it take to be successful? And every single interview I talk about, I want to talk about the business, sure. Like, what do you do? How do, how do people work with you? But then what, is it, what, what makes a great partnership? Like, what, what are the core principles of successful partnership? And by the way, when they don't work out, when things don't work out well, yeah. like, why did they fail? Like, why, like, what happened there? And what would you tell those people now? Because, you know, how, how many times we walk away shaking our heads going, that didn't work and that, you know, whatever. But we never mm. really say that to the we don't give the constructive criticism. We're afraid to give criticism. We you know, kind of is sort of ingrained in a lot of people for whatever reason. But getting all that information out and distilling it, there's a, there's a set of common principles. And so really what I've taken is this common set of principles. All these great interviews continue to feed into you know, my learnings and then getting to feed that information back to other organizations and help them learn to accelerate their process to be successful, right? So how do you get yeah. partnerships right? Like a lot of organizations culturally don't get how to work partnerships. Like they don't, we talked about the growth mindset. A lot of organizations come out at it from a right. scarcity mindset. And, you know, not, it's not, it's, it's like, what can I get? From, what can I get from this? Not what can I give back? And then, you know, how do I apply the right focus? Because how many times you go in a meeting, you have what I call a kumbaya meeting with a, with a partner. You, 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 everybody's shaking their heads. Yes, it's wonderful. We love each other. We're going to go do so much stuff together. We're going to make the, we're going to light the world on fire. Yeah. And then nothing so happens. So often. Like, so often. Crickets. 
all the time. And then, and then how do you then, and then, and what about the results? Like, how do we drive the results and how do we measure the results and how do we stay every, keep everybody focused on the results? Like, oh, we're, well, we're not getting the results. Why? Well, there's some blockers over here. All right, well, let's talk about those blockers. Like, let's get it on the table. Like what's, let's be honest with each other. Let's be transparent and let's fix it. Yeah. So, so how do you think, um, you increase the probability of action, meaning uh, laying the groundwork for a successful initial phase of a partnership. Because we actually get asked a lot too, like, hey, how do you make it work? Or we want to get into the Google business. And I talk to people, sort of peers like around the world, right, that I don't necessarily directly compete with. But they're like, yep. you know, I don't have a set of guidelines and principles, but what does that sort of mind mindset have to be? And, and mechanically, like tactically, what do you have to do to increase the probability of the partnership bearing fruit? So first of all, you have to get really candid with every, with the, first of all, you get to get candid with your organization, right? I do, I, I take everybody through a SWOT analysis. Like I'm, I'm like, okay, what's, what's, where are our strengths? Where are we weak? What are our threats? And, you know, and where are opportunity areas? And then like, okay, from there, where do we think we can go? Like aspirationally, let's set, let's set the bar. Like, where do we think this partnership between the two organizations, it should be shared, but on my side, I'm going to go and I'm going to help craft that vision statement. Like, what is it going to look like? Then what is, what is my, what's my value proposition look like? Like what, you know this, right? Working with Google, working with Microsoft, working with AWS. What's that one thing that I do that's unique or this relate that's unique about this relationship that you know, is going to drive success? Like, because we are all like we're, we're going through information fatigue right now, right? Like, so you want to stand out. Like, what is what is that one thing that Sada does better than anybody? Why should I pick up the phone and call Tony's company? So that you got to get that right. So you got to get those things right. You ha also come, have to come in with the right mindset. And then you start laying the groundwork and saying, okay, what are the objectives we're going to drive? What are the key results against those objectives? What are the sales motions? Like, and here's the thing. It's not one, it's like, you can't, you see this all the time, right? We, we assign a, an alliance manager or a partner development manager or whatever, Pam, whatever you want to call them these days. But everybody in the organization needs to be engaged. And I use you as an example, like your commitment was extreme. But everybody in the organization, top floor, bottom floor, left and right on the leadership team, up and down the leadership team and the, and the secondary leadership, everybody should be saying the same thing about the partnership. Man, what's All funny the is when the there's partner advisory council meetings or whatever, which happen all the time or big partner events. And then I remember this in the Microsoft world and, and the Google world, when we all the top partners got together and I'm there as a CEO and they've sent some like mid-level director, the line person. I'm like, yep. I've already won. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, seriously. It. Like, well, it, what's it, this person going to be able to impact, even if they're the best in the world at what they do versus the CEO going back after the three days and be like, A, B, C, D, let's go. This is what we're doing. And it measured the success, measured the commitment. Oh, and that the optics alone were right? priceless. Like, but yeah. outside yeah. of the optics, there's just not we don't we don't do it just for the optics at all. 
the ability to impact change quickly or investment quickly, if you send a, a CEO, CEO exec versus just an alliance person, you know, I was like, oh, I was like, they're not really serious about this. Yeah. <laughs> Even me is like, I'm like, yeah. I don't think they're serious. Well, and you, you, what you're, you're striking on right now, if I was to peel back on it is like around agility. Like, so you're in that meeting and you're, you're, you've, you and I've had this conversation, right? Your ears light up because you're in some type of advisory council. You're having intimate conversations. You're learning about things that maybe other people don't know about yet. It's not in the program yet. Oh, I, that, that could be an opportunity area for us. Like you're going to go back as the CEO and say, Hey, Let's yep. go light this up, right? As a business, yeah, and I can control those resources yeah. where you know that person may not be able to directly. Um, it's so funny. I do talk to a lot of people who want to start. We're on our side, my side of the equation, and want to start some sort of a practice. And I also talk to a lot about uh, to to a lot of you know vendors, ISVs who want to start a channel. I talk to both, and yeah. and the first thing, and I think you hit on this to some extent is. Uh, people forget to ask why. Why do you want to start? That's right. Like if you're if you're some sort of an ISV and, and of course enterprise software players and hyperscalers being the most you know uh, meaningful examples like Microsoft, AWS, Google, you know. But even like all all the other players, and I'm not going to name names, but you know people you know flew in from halfway around the world, sat in my office. I was like, I like you, you know, I like the software, so I'll, I'll talk to you. Uh, it wasn't right for us to take the market and be a partner at all. But then I t took it as an opportunity to really try to get them to think deeply about what they were trying to achieve. And I think what uh, ISVs or SaaS or, or any even enterprise software companies, and I would put Microsoft and Google in this camp, they don't even always know clearly what their why is for the channel. Like, they don't always clearly articulate yeah. what defines success. Like, what do you need SADA to do? And there's only a few, a few things, right? They, they'll, they'll all tell you, like, we need to scale. This is what enterprise software companies do. We need to scale. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Where, where though? Like, where? And, and I'm like, here's a menu of things we're really good at, right? We can source pipeline. We can close business. We're really good at technical pre-sales engineering. We're really good at selling and commercials and contracting. And we're really good at professional services. And we're really good at managed services. And really good at post-sales. Like, where where are the priorities, right? And I think one of the things that we're continually coaching, and we used to coach Microsoft too on this to the extent that we had a good audience, and we usually did. And same things happening at Google now is like, once you define the why or what you need me to do like oh we need to scale in this capacity because we we're not going to have enough headcount great pre-sales engineering you want me to do that then it just it's yeah. so funny how that doesn't always kind of make its way into how the in partner incentives are designed what you want us to do or what the what the field wants us to do doesn't always then match partner programs <laughs> And it seems obvious, right. or 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 their own or the own their own internal programs don't support it, right? They they think that going together with you is going to do X, but they're not compensating their field accordingly. So there's a misalignment. Like you're rowing in one direction and they're rowing totally. in the other direction. Totally, and it's it's just 
interesting to have to continue to make the case. And this is a case in every ecosystem, you know, like comp neutrality, field alignment, uh, uh, benefits and entitlements that actually the field cares about, your field cares about, right? Ways to ensure my sellers are motivated. There seems to there's some fundamental things that can need continued massaging, you know, and, and, and we're often asked, um, and the other multi-cloud partners in our ecosystem are asked, uh, how do the other how do the other players do it? And I used to know, and now I don't know, right? Um, but they, they asked some of the other players who do AWS and Microsoft. It's almost like a me too, like, oh, what, what do they have? I want to have that program too. So I'll ask you, because I think there's definitely things that I thought Microsoft did exceptionally well in your view and your experience, and you were there for a long time, what are the types of partnering things that Microsoft did exceptionally well? So well, I'll start with, you know, a little bit of history lesson here, right? So Microsoft, you know, the Wintel Alliance going back, what, almost 40 years now. Microsoft didn't sell directly. They relied on OEMs, manufacturers, the soft, you know, software was in a box, but then you hooked up a printer to it and maybe you had to build the box. So that, that innate need to have partners, to have other people to deliver your solutions was core to Microsoft starting out. Where other, and, and not some, you know, where Google came at the world from a consumer play prim primarily, right? Search engine, like B2C. And uh, Amazon came at it from, uh, hey, swipe a credit card and, you know, light up the cloud, right? So they had a, I think what's happened is Microsoft came from that direction. So everything, it was already, it was already built into the psyche of the organization, yeah. the mindset, if you will. And you, you had, you, if you, you there was no room to say, no, we're not going to work with partners unless you were in Microsoft consulting services. And even now they need to get, get it right with partners. Uh, where the other guys maybe didn't come from there. So I think I think because it was built into the core, they've got a lot more uh, IP around le legacy programs, understanding the reach of the ecosystem, and maybe kind of the mm -hmm. foundational elements. And everybody's everybody's playing fast catch up, right? I mean, I see it. I mean, I've seen I see what's happened at Google. A lot of yep. great friends are now at Google, and I've reached out to them. I've actually asked some of them about some about some of this. And I do think that there's a, there's kind of a richness of understanding, and again, Microsoft understood that there were partners of all types, and they you know they probably over pivoted on categorizing you to you're either this or you're that, but they did understand that you treat an ISV differently than you treat a services partner, and they knew that if they were going to have to engage ISVs, which was to how they were going to drive Azure, they needed to do things like in, innately pay or overpay sellers to go sell. Right. ISV solutions, which, you know, other people don't necessarily do it that way. So there are things that were, that are built into their programs. The other thing I think was, was really, you know, when I was running the partner organization, we started to get to a level of specificity mm. of divisional labor, but it was at one time we had PAMs, part, a PAM, a partner account manager was responsible for everything and couldn't do anything yeah. quite well because they, 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 you know, they didn't even know what their job res responsibilities were, where now there's a division of labor. I think that, and I think everybody's following this model too now, right? I go build with, I have, a, I'm, I am a partner development manager. I am the business plan. I bring technical resources in to go build the practice 
or make yeah. the solutions work. And then I, I hand it off to a marketing lead who goes and drives that, puts gasoline on our go to market and drives it and put, puts funding on it. And then in the field, I need to, I also need to over pivot on making sure my sellers are, are working sell. with my partner. So I need to yeah. put resources yeah. there. Yeah. So I do think that that infrastructure is more, you know, it's been there longer. Um, that's not to say that, you know, nobody yeah. should rest on their laurels. And, and, you know, what I'm seeing is really uh, Google stepping up in a big way here with, with the investments that they're now making. The, the other, I think, uh, so. perennial challenge is, um, first of all, there, there's, there's a challenge in partner categorization still. And I think it's mostly because of the cloud. It's hard to define SADA as any one of those things um, just because the cloud has necessitated capabilities in all like we're we are resellers but we're also SIs and we even have some IP and you know all that stuff right how do you how do yep. you categorize us I think we found our MSP is a good broad category but some MSPs don't do any professional services at all and we no. do that right. exceptionally well so it's we have to kind of add that on all the time when we when we talk to in a talk track the other challenge is and, and I remember Microsoft um also struggling with this is, um, and, and again, I think um, uh, there's a couple of tactical things I remember Microsoft did really, really well. I love their approach towards like the Azure everywhere approach. Like, hey, forget this one-off approval stuff. Here's a bucket. You, yep. you, you log it, take it, get me the ROI and get more. That's it. I don't want to micromanage this anymore. With, with that, that was a huge step forward. And there's some attempts to kind of replicate that in other ecosystems now. Because speed matters. Speed in the eyes of your customers matters. To be able to talk to a customer, they need, oh, 50K yeah, for pre-sales. I don't want to wait a week or three days to approve it. I just want to be able to say yes. If I think it's good, it's good yeah. for me if it's not. Because if right. I mess that up, I'm not going to get more money, right? So that was uh, that was one great program overall. But um, and I'm, I'm really pushing like you know, Google to adopt more of that type of philosophy. Like we're, we're, we're grownups. Yep. Take, you know, give us some responsibility and see how we respond. And if we do well, give us more. And if we're terrible, take it away. Right. Like just treat it like that. But the other side is, and you know, this, yep. you know, this well, global programs versus North America realities, global programs. They're supposed to function in the most, corrupt and underdeveloped markets like for SI. Uh, but right. they're also but we're trying to for us trying to operationalize a North America go to market motion which is super developed, super fast, different set of ethical parameters, but also operational parameters. What have you seen Microsoft do well and to kind of bring those two important but sometimes sort of unrelated realities to to its North America partner well I, I do think that Microsoft although it has a global organization right worldwide uh, one OCP one commercial partner I should say um, it does allow that to be the blueprint right that's the blueprint for the organization and what you do find I think you know this as well is that Microsoft allows the subsidiary, and the country manager and that subsequent organization to really kind of drive a sense of autonomy yeah. to the PL. 
So, you know, Kate Johnson has a, a level of autonomy. Uh, North America has the luxury of being such a big market for Microsoft that they also have mm-hmm. the resources to do it. And I generally find uh, when I work with uh, the U.S. Uh, One Commercial Partner Organization that they're doing things, they're, they're innovating, they're doing things on their own. Um, they're, they're, it's not that they're even having to ask for permission, but they're setting up their own programs. And in many respects, they are setting the, they're setting the example, if you will, right? And then they take that back. And here's the key learnings, like they meet regularly. Generally, it used to be the, 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 the mid-year review process yeah, is where we used that. to do it the most. Now it's done on a more, it's, it's iterated a lot more now. But, um, you know, they expose like, okay, this is a program. We, we think this is a program that, that should be supported mm. at the worldwide level. So I, I th- do think there's a level of localization that happens. Again, countries are different. Uh, operating models are different. Uh, micro, you're seeing that you see that now even how Microsoft has gone after they now changed their model going mm-hmm. after the federal government where they've now set it up as a separate LLC right because after all these years of being sort of a more consumer oriented uh, horizontal yeah. democratized uh, platform company they recognized they really had to pivot to go after that very That's unique very market and so they've made a lot of changes. Yeah to address it. Um, The other thing I think we've noticed is to your point, there's a lot of Microsoft leadership, you know, at Google now, some great people, amazing people, fantastic people. Uh, Some great friends there. From like Oliver (laughs) Park, who was one of the OGs that moved first to Clark to, who you know really well, but Janet Kennedy, Clip House, like just so many, John Jester. and there's some great SAP Oracle folks, Salesforce folks, Cisco folks. It's just VMware folks. They're, they're fantastic. I think that one thing is um, what we've noticed is a slightly different partnering and, and selling motion or mentality. Like if we if we talk to the people that came from, let's say, Microsoft, SAP, Salesforce versus even... Cisco, VMware, and some other places. There's a little bit of a cultural yeah. difference, and I'll uh, and and I think there's twofold. One is related to selling through partner from an MSP or resale standpoint. CSP was remember very new for Microsoft, and we were it was we were was good at it up. because we were been yeah. doing it at Google, right? Um, but like if you think of SAP, Salesforce. Microsoft, it, it was not a huge part of how they sold. They were used to the LSPs and other, they sold direct a lot of the time. So we do spend quite a bit of time kind of describing the business model, for why consumption, participating in the consumption is so important to us and to the customer experience. Um, and then, uh, whereas I think Cisco, VMware, they're very like through channel. They just, they just know, like, of course, like, yeah. For Cisco, I think it's like 95% of the revenue. Like they don't do anything direct, right? VMware was very much, I think, the same way. That's one cultural difference. And the other one is um, maybe less with VMware or Cisco, but there's also the Google world is where the buyer is always making the harder choice, politically more difficult choice. They are buying something that will cause a deliberate 
change. It's disruptive. Whereas some of the folks, who, if you come from SAP or you come from Microsoft, you come from Salesforce, you're like, A, the market leader, and B, usually the yeah. incumbent. Usually. So that's a very different muscle. Yeah, it is. A couple comments on that. One of the reasons why the Microsoft model was the way it was back in the day, and CSP was was an after maybe an after afterthought or or catch up, was because Microsoft sold an they 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 parked the truck and dumped it in your so you bought an enterprise agreement. You may not never use some of those technologies, and then it was incumbent on a partner like Sada to come in and light it up. Mm -hmm. Right, that was your job. You didn't get paid on the EA. Somebody else did that. But you made your money on your services. And they realized that because Google and others were allowing partners to go sell the SKUs, they were they were far behind in that. Right? Oh, that that, was a, that took this. years. Nobody buys something from Google through us and doesn't get it turned on. Never. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like you don't, yeah, you don't, you don't buy G Suite and not turn it on. Like it's you turn on day one, you're going right. You ju- the same thing with the cloud. If you're not if you're not consuming, you're not right. Yeah, and so that was that was a part of it. I think that was a, a difference. I think the difference in it's a philosophically too that the the ones you mentioned, the Cisco's of the world, uh, and some of the VMware and some of the others, it, it was either a box or a virtual box they were selling. So it was easy. Mm-hmm. They pushed it through the channel. But it was a different model, right? And so I think philosophically, the models are different. The partner had a different role in a channel play than it does than it does today in a you know in the world we live in this transformative cloud world where there's three hyperscalers. There's partners like like you that are can't fit into a single box, right? You you provide IP, you provide professional services, you do service and support, you do transaction, you do customer. You're never going to fit into a box. All the whole thing, yeah. like we're responsible for the whole, the yeah. entirety of the success or right. the failure of that uh, decision that the customer made. Yeah. And, and and we used to call you a born in the cloud partner, but you started way before the cloud. <laughs> you're 2000. I remember yeah, that conversation. Like, just because exactly, Microsoft right? didn't know who we were so, until 2009, we were born in 2009, <laughs> but thank you. Yeah. They had to find a label for you. It's just, you know. <laughs> it was a compliment. Still is. But I do think, how do you think the cultures, do, do the cultures collide? Like, what do you think is different or better from one, like one group of people like coming, and, and I don't want to put you on the spot here and ask you this, but but maybe is there is there one mindset that's better or how do you think well, the mindset? I, I think the hunger that I've seen demonstrated by AWS, for example, to win at all costs is admirable. Not at all costs, because sometimes they go too far and some of it is very public because the way that they behave on uh, on Amazon.com is not that different <laughs> than what they do. And behave on the other side. It's just a very, very uh, cutthroat culture. But, but, but that, that hunger to win is admirable. And, and Amazon was not the incumbent for many years. They are now in a lot of ways. If you're in the cloud, you're probably in the cloud with AWS. You know, I think Microsoft's. Um, I mean, I'm a huge Satya Nadella fan. You know that. I met him a couple of times. He's magical. Has done it. I mean. Vince, in 2011, 12, people were like, Microsoft's done. They're never going to get cloud. They can't turn this thing around. You remember? Like, what I he's do, done is there. like, yeah. holy cow. Nobody, 
We still had the Windows or, Phone. Yeah. Remember that? Like, I mean, we were trying. What to if push anybody phone. thought in 2014 it would look that different, or 15? Like nobody thought that was possible. The way that decade went, the second part of uh, 2010s, it's like mind blowing, mind blowing, right? Only Satya could have done that. I know that, but but the, the way Microsoft, I think, um, now understands their customer and the way that the amount of time they spent, the amount of resources that show up. And sometimes it's just theatrics and overkill, but that's very much admirable. What, what I love about the Google approach is nobody buys anything they don't deploy. What they've bought is going to cause a transformation every single time. You cannot deploy workspace and not transform as an organization in the way you collaborate, your culture. Uh, you cannot deploy GCP and not shift your engineering culture more towards a DevOps, agile, progressive way of thinking. You're gonna understand. You're gonna learn about containers. You're gonna learn about data. You're just going to. There's many customers who bought and deployed Microsoft stuff. If they deployed it, even when they deployed it, they didn't change. They were just like using Office the same way. They were they were just running virtual machines in Azure, just like they were in, you know, you know, whatever VMware or something else. Um, and that was it, right? Like, I love the fact that when you buy Google and go down the journey and prescribe to the methodology, you're going to change. And by, right now, people and organizations in the enterprise need to change more than ever before. Because if they don't, they're going to die. That's just the reality of uh, what's been happening for many years, but has been absolutely 10x accelerated by the, by the pandemic we're in, right? Um, the other part I, I admire in Google, and part of it is just due to the fact that it was a smaller ecosystem when we started is we got to play in the big leagues. <laughs> they were not like, I'm never going to interrupt. Like, you know, we, we've met with some enterprise leadership at, at, at Microsoft many times. And we used to have, to your point, a nice dinner. Everybody felt great. We were left. We were never invited to that dance. It was always inside Accenture, MCS, cognizant it was that we were never invited to the dance you know whereas google would be like hey you want to come to uh this fortune 10 company like yeah like i'll send three people right that's a lot for us so um and then their 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 agility the technology is is also just remarkable like because you are google your cloud is different microsoft didn't have to build a cloud for, for a long time, right? Amazon had it for its retail, you know, business. And that's how, you know, uh, EC2 and, and those services were born. But Google has had to solve massive problems around data, containerization, security, latency, global availability since forever. Yeah. So I like that. 21 years. I like, I like those aspects. Yeah. And I also like years. being opinionated. Yeah. I yeah. like that. We believe in a multi, we're not flat earthers, okay? We believe in a multi-cloud world. We just think that Anthos is the best answer for that world. And you might have other stuff. And right. as long as you deploy the Google created, but open source standard of Kubernetes, you can run your stuff anywhere, right? We And, and um, part of the podcast game and the content game that you and I both play in, it's much easier if you're, in one with one partner to be opinionated because we were under a lot of scrutiny before, I would say. <laughs> right. 
So what about those disruptor? How do you, A, how do you find those disruptor customers? Those customers are willing to be like, you're, I think about the crossing the chasm, right? But I think it's, it, it's getting mainstream. It's mainstream now. There's, it's a heterogeneous world. And then how do you move them? How do you move them over? Like, how do you convert them? So I think uh, a, a lot of our customers in GCP are digital natives themselves. So they are truly SaaS companies, ISVs born in the cloud. Yeah. And actually, if you just let engineers make the decision, they're just they're, they're going to choose GCP almost 100% of the time, unless they were like, just learn AWS. And they're like, oh, I can't learn another cloud, you know, forget it, right? Now the enterprise, yeah. again, Microsoft has done a very good job and Amazon has a decade head start in making you know azure or aws the enterprise standard um for cloud and i think you know google has work to do there and they're announcing big wins all the time Deutsche Bank being you know one of the more recent ones but there's been many many others that are big huge enterprise wins and i think right now the enterprise has no choice but to transform so it's not like those leaders that were holding them back, they're not going to be around if they haven't been fired already. It's like, you thought you had five years to allow your customers to engage with you differently. Sorry, you have five months. Yeah, and this whole transformational time, right? We talked about this before, like we're living in a time like no other. What are the greatest things you're seeing now that you didn't expect to well, see? Well, I have a question for you along these lines, because right now the the market and our customers are requiring us all to build capabilities that we maybe did not have before, right? We just launched a, a distinct um, group around AI and ML. So CCAI, Document AI, distinct group does that work now. We launched a, 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 we had a security group that was part of the infrastructure group and that's been spun out now on its own. So Google security practice. One thing I get asked a lot because you talk to so many partners and 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 uh, on the on a vendor side in channel two, what's your take on companies like us or SIs? I get asked the same thing. We want to start a Google practice. What should we do? What's your what's your take on the build it versus buy it uh, debate? Do you if you're us or an SI, do you do you build capabilities or buy capabilities? I think you do both. I would say, so, you know, I'm a big believer in partners will be a key accelerant to this entire transformation. And, you know, we talked about reach, we talked about capabilities, but you can't build everything or do you, you know, there's a time to market, right? There's a time to get to market. There's a time to solve for a customer need. I believe I'm a very strong proponent and I coach and do workshops around partner to partner. Because I do think that you need to form relationships yeah. with other organizations that allow you to have a complete solution. It's pretty arrogant to think you can be mm -hmm. all things to the customer, right? The customer is not just buying from you. They're buying from several other vendors. They're stitching together uh, an ecosystem and solution across all of their business needs. And we see this even more today with SaaS solutions, right? We're no longer buying the big monolithic yeah. SAP solution yeah. for an enterprise you know, there's so many point solutions. And I think it's, I think it's a really strong play. And I, I happen to know that you do some of this internally is find a best in breed or find partners that really want to work with you, go arm in arm in an account. And you're, you're, you're going to both win. And the customer is going to get the best solution rather than you going to build something new and try to recreate the wheel that's already there. 
So I do, th- I believe very strongly. That's why we currently hired a head of alliances, how, yeah. you know, in a couple yeah. months ago for the first time. It's exactly what you're describing. Like not everything is solved entirely by Google Cloud. There's other ISV partners we want and we don't have all the capabilities. So that's why we did that. Yeah. And absolutely. And and you, ex- you, you basically just, you multiply your organization's capabilities by how many fold that you bring these other partners in. As long as they, again, this comes back to as long as you're aligned on the correct mindset, there's a, a shared vision and strategy. We have a key set of objectives we both agree yeah. on and drive against, and you drive it the right way. And that's, you know, that's the ultimately the keys to success. The ultimate, <laughs> I call the ultimate partnership. Um, speaking of, yeah. uh, you and I talk a lot, and I think, you know, we lean on each other for guidance and advice. Uh, Recently, in the last you know few months, you've gone all all in back into what I feel like is your true passion and calling, which is running this podcast and running a, a consulting business and practice. Uh, tell us a little about that journey, and then what you're looking forward to in 2021. So the journey goes back a long time, long more than more years than I probably want to talk about. But I've described it as four successful transformations. I started off in the early days of wireless computing, helped build a sales organization, help help a company go public, was the top salesperson and then top sales leader. Did a turnaround in the early days, uh, actually right after the 9-11, and built, uh, built a government channel, got a GSA schedule, did all, really intrinsically built all those you know, true channel components to get reach to customers, influence customers, and what you would traditionally do. And then, you know, nine years at Microsoft leading that partner, you know, what was, what was a $4.6 billion business when I left a partner strategy. And then when I got out, I really, my, my calling was to go do this and help multiple organizations. Like I didn't want to see in a, sit in a static seat and the podcast, what I, what I found out about doing the podcast is like, this is a great, I'm a connector at heart. I love people. I love learning about others' passions. I love lifting up their stories. And the podcast is a way to, in a way, give back and share, you know, whether it be business success, but there's a, there's a whole underlying, if you go back and look at my titles and my podcast episodes about being bold, it's about, you know, there, there are, our titles are about things about inspiration, about how we lead forward, especially during this time. And then I brought back, you know, I did a two year stint at a Mm -hmm. a global ISV. Um, I, I took a side tour, a detour, I guess, if you will, for a little bit, because it looked appealing. Uh, But, you know, sometimes you're, going against going for money and not for your passion. I learned, I learned a lesson there as well. I came back to what I really love in June and it's, you know, I love the fact that I get to work with multiple organizations. I get to solve tough problems. Uh, I get to do the podcast and every week I have amazing guests like you and other really terrific guests. And I'm hoping to have more uh, and expand that. And, And although I've had a lot of Microsoft people, it's not just a Microsoft only podcast. I would love to have more Google guests, maybe, Maybe you like maybe able to help me find a few. Able to make them commonly know. (laughs) Yeah, because it's all about partnerships. It's all about what makes great partnerships, and also guiding principles. And you know, here's the other thing too. Like at my core, I'm you know I'm very big on diversity inclusion. I don't know if you know this or not. I was Microsoft U.S. public sector's lead for diversity inclusion. I was the white guy who raised his hand and said, "Yeah, have your time with with the alliance. You know, being an ally." Yeah, I was doing it then. 
And if a lot of my guests, so we, we talked about gender equity, we're talking about racial and social injustice. Like a lot of my podcasts, we're having some really authentic That's so funny. conversations. I would too on this one, for I'm, sure. It's part of every conversation. Yeah. So I think it's, a, it's, it's an important dialogue for all of us right now. So the podcast gives me that and it juices me every day and the work I get to do, I love. And, you know, I just, I, I do think people go, well, uh, yeah, I got a partner. I got an alliance manager. I know how to do this. I'm like, you can do it better. Like everybody can do it for just sure. a little bit better. And so, to, yeah. So have, thank have you a lot for everything that you do for the ecosystem, for being that voice of reason, that voice of experience. Um, so uh, delighted to be able to call you a friend and a uh, confidant and an advisor. And um, this is a really different type of episode for us to have, but I really appreciate you being my guest. Tony, I just want to thank you first for being such a great friend. It's truly, a, a, truly a great friend. And I mean that. And um, just for the opportunity, you know, we, this pitch and catch we've had for several years, you know, like you cut, like, you know, the whole, I was, there were times I was struggling, like, Hey, do I keep doing this podcast thing? And you're like, consistency, consistency <laughs> every week. Like you were, you were like, you know, it was so, so great. Like you were my coach on the sideline, like run a little faster and then to be able to come back and have you back again in, in this summer, yeah. right around the 20th anniversary mark of your, of your amazing organization. Hey, and just thank you, you for do, the opportunity to be with or, you. Or whatever I advise, I do as well. We've been extremely much, you know, just dedicated to putting out something every week, uh, something great every week. And then also in, in the sort of the small world things, you know, everything comes around kind of thing. I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing my regular, you know, meet, meet and greet with the new Saudians. And I'm like, why does that guy have the same last name? As, I'm like, Vince, <laughs> your son works at Sada now. <laughs> we tried oh, to sneak yeah, that under the like, radar hey, here, Tony. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, wow, that's that is classy. That is classy. He knows his CEO's a wow. friend and he's not even asking for any favors and he wants his son to get the job, you know, which yeah. is what we do anyway. It's what we appreciate. I mean, knowing me, what might get you an interview faster, but it's a, it's been a complete meritocracy. I'm super happy that he's here. I think he's having a great time. So, all right, Vince, thank you so much for being my guest. Happy, have a great holiday season, early 2021. It's going to be a great year next year. I feel it. Absolutely. Thanks thank for having you. me on Bye-bye. Cloud and Clear. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.